It is a great joy to be here with you. And yes, my title is Canon to the Ordinary, but what does that mean? I'm still figuring it out uh, and have a few definitions that might help you to understand. I am the assistant to the bishop in most all of the things that the bishop does. Uh, In church terms, I'm somewhat like a perpetual paid senior warden. In the political terms of our pop culture, like Scandal and House of Cards, I'm not the chief of staff, but I'm more like the secretary of state. I go visiting from church to church, carrying the news of the diocese and receiving the current situation to take back to the bishop and the rest of the bishop's staff. I have uh, the great pleasure in my job of dealing with congregational development, and that means taking some of the learnings from growing and vibrant churches like yours here to the other churches that might need some support and strength and what they have perhaps to share with you. Uh, In this time when many churches are challenged as more and more people define themselves as spiritual but not religious, not that religious is a bad thing, but how to really mix all that up for one another. And I, I got this job for in part because of a committee that Bishop Mark put together, and Chris was on that committee, and I thank him again today, because uh, I really love my job. I love getting to go around and visit different churches every week, and people like you, and situations like this. I also love this gospel story. As a strong and somewhat opinionated, sometimes bossy woman, I like that we have a story in our sacred text about a woman being in the face of Jesus. Not because Jesus needs to be told what to do, but because we all need to claim our own voice. One interpretation of this story is that Jesus claims his voice in a better way because of how the woman calls him to a place of better understanding. And I don't want us to forget the strength of that woman in her interaction with Jesus, but I want us to focus on a different aspect of the story given that we're having a baptism today. And I want us to think a bit about the first story with Joseph in Egypt and compare it with our gospel and see what we hear and notice. So in a way, they are similar. Both are about families. In each one, there is some convincing needed. Both are about healing, aren't they? One in an emotional sense and another in a physical sense. And what are some of the differences? First, the time frame, different in each one, with Jesus and without Jesus in the story. There perhaps is more shouting, more noise in the gospel. One centered around a man, one centered around a woman. And what about that woman and her daughter? 
What is missing? What one thing might be missing? What I see is that neither the Canaanite woman nor her daughter are named. Have you ever noticed that? Well, I've been thinking about naming ever since I heard a story in July about a young woman named Amelia Rose Earhart. Yes, she's named after the pilot of the 1930s. Yes, she is a pilot. And yes, in this year, on the 77th anniversary of her namesake's attempt, she did fly around the world. The current Amelia landed in Oakland on July 12th after flying 23,000 nautical miles in a single-engine aircraft, the youngest woman ever to do so. What's interesting is that there's no familial relation between the two women. And I could not find any answer as to the question of why the parents of the 21st century Amelia named her after the doomed aviator. So I thought, perhaps like me, maybe they were captivated by what they had learned about Amelia Mary Earhart. In a 1937 news article, she was described as plucky. But she said about herself, I don't think I have so much courage. And yet, she embarked upon one of the greatest risks that any human being had ever taken. And when a parent chooses a name for their child, they have absolutely no idea where that name will carry the child or what the child will do with that name. But they may happen to want the child baptized with that name. And they may happen to choose the Episcopal Church, as the parents of Owen Michael have chosen. In some Christian traditions, baptisms are rushed into happening very quickly after the birth of the child, sometimes as soon as eight days. It's believed that the baptism is the sign of God. The only way that it's transferred to the child is through baptism, and it should be done as quickly as possible. In the Episcopal Church, while the child can be as young as days or weeks old, we believe There is never a time a child is outside of God's love. Baptism is a sacrament, a visible sign of God's always enduring grace. In this way, the timing of baptism doesn't have to fit anything more than the calendar of the church and the family. Now that may sound flippant. But it's deeply theological. We truly believe that nothing can happen to a baby to take him or her away from God's embrace whenever the baptism happens. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, family, friends, and neighbors all want what is best for Owen. Equally, The nameless Canaanite woman in our gospel wants what is best for her daughter. She's not shouting at Jesus for herself, but for the healing of of her child. And in a moment, we too will make a promise about what is best for Owen. We will answer the question 
Will you do all in your power to support him in his life in Christ? With what I'm sure will be a resounding yes. But even with all that support, even with those desires, we know that objectively and rationally, Owen can't be protected from everything around him. His parents cannot lock him in the house. They cannot tape him up with bubble wrap. There may be physical challenges, hopefully only scrapes and breaks. There will be emotional heartaches and disappointments as any of us over the age, that age of reason, know that life isn't perfect. If terrible things don't directly happen to us, they happen around us. We are all affected by the tragedies of men and boys named Robin or Michael, racism and depression, Wars, viruses, persecution. The media shares the news of senseless deaths with us day after day after day. This has been a rough week, hasn't it? Sometimes it seems too many weeks are like this. And yet, and yet none of that will have the final word. God is with us. God makes promises to us in the simple element of water. God sustains us with the tangible bread and wine made holy together. And God speaks and listens to the deepest places of our soul. Back in July, Amelia Rose Earhart said that she hopes to develop a deeper connection to her namesake and encourage the world to pursue their own adventures. We don't know what Owen's adventure will be. Will Owen be like the Canaanite woman questioning the status quo or caring for those in need? Will Owen be like the Earhart woman inspiring others and pushing boundaries Will Owen be like the strong, opinionated women in his family? I don't know. This morning, we can only imagine. But I trust that God knows and calls each one of us by name. I believe God responds to us. Jesus healed the daughter without a name. Our relationship with God doesn't depend on being well-connected or the right race, gender, or age. It doesn't even matter if we are polite. God loves us, meets us, comforts those who mourn, and strengthens those in need. That love is why we can smile and laugh perhaps cry tears of joy when there is a baptism like Owen's in our midst. Amen. Amen.